impact, income, and influence. One of the biggest challenges facing digital entrepreneurs is creating courses that sell, number one, and number two, creating courses that get consumed, that people actually finish. A study showed that 93% of courses never get past their first module. Tara, our guest today, built courses for big corporations in the early 2000s, and she transitioned into building courses with entrepreneurs who have a 99% success rate getting through the course. She is absolutely amazing, and she has a ton of wealth to share with us in today's show. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to today's show. I... Today on the show, we are going to solve one of the biggest problems facing course creators in the entrepreneurial space. Tara Bryan creates courses for big businesses, but what her true superpower is, is creating a course that gets people to finish the course. They log in and they can't get enough of it. She gamifies the entire experience to move people from start to finish and get the actual results that they paid for. Tara, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. Um, Tara's a good friend of mine. I actually met her on a boat with some cocktails and she right. told me all about how this works. And I was pretty mind blown because if, if you've been around the entrepreneurial space, the course creator space for a little bit, you know that everybody's got a course. Half the time when you buy them, they're horrible. They're not laid out well. They don't get completion. Um, and as a course creator, I know my biggest concern is like, I want people to get the outcome. I want people to move through it. It stopped me from creating a course for years. So Tara, tell us about where you got started and like, why should we listen to you? Where'd you come from? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so yeah, so I have been um, in the course creating business for, I don't even want to say over 20 years. Um, I'm only 20. So I started when I was really young. Um, but yeah, so I, I started in corporate and I have a background in um, instructional design and organizational, organizational development, which just means that like I went to a lot of school for all of this, um, but started an agency about uh, 16 years ago where literally we help, um, as you said, Steve, uh, companies create uh, online courses that help their learners be successful. Um, so this could be employees or customers or whatever, but, um, but, we, but intentionally taking them on a journey where they're going from where they are um, when they start the course to actually completing it and being successful and being able to do something different. So a lot of times that means um, with employees, they're able to do their work um, effectively um, after taking the training, which uh, for those of you who have taken crappy training, you know what that means, right? It's most of the time you just like get a bunch of information and, and not actually take um, action or get results at the end. So, um, so that's what we specialize in. That's what I've been doing um, for most of my career. And it's been about five, um, I've always had sort of my own courses that I sell, but it's been about five years now that I've been focused on helping um, small business owners and entrepreneurs really take their one-on-one -on -one offer and scale it into an online course. So not only really transforming the way that they're able to grow and scale their business, but um, but also, how do they take those same personalized results um, that they were getting their clients and automate that into um, a, a, an equal or even better experience? Um, because there's so many ways that you can help people um, be successful. So that is my specialty and what I have been doing for a million years. So I'm in the trenches doing it. So not only am I teaching it, but I'm also doing it um, as well. 
So talk to me a little bit. I mean, I'm just imagining you getting started 15 or 20 years ago when the internet is not what it was today. You didn't have YouTube. It wasn't easy to put together videos. And you started with companies, which I think was smart because they can afford you. They can give you a timeline. Tell us a little bit about how that process began and like, what were you doing back 15 years ago? Like, tell us some of the people that you work for, if you can share that too. Yeah. So, so the way that we started actually in training um, before the computer um, was, was really building them for, um, for in-person training. Right. And what happened, my, one of my favorite stories of actually doing that is, is so we would build these training programs and we would, you know, do them in person in the classroom. And, um, and I used to do that for, um, the first company that I worked for and I taught an orientation program and, um, and I found myself one day, I had done the orientation so many times that I loved connecting with the people and I loved teaching what I was teaching, but I literally found myself thinking about something else while I was teaching. And I was like, this isn't serving me and this isn't serving the people that, um, that need what I have to offer. And so I started to explore different ways to be able to share my message, share the training, keep them engaged and um, keep them successful without having to like repeat myself a million times. Um, and so that started me on that journey. Um, and yeah, back then we had to hand code things. We build learning management systems um, with, with like Dreamweaver. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. Like, um, it, you know, it, yeah. I, mean, I, I use Dreamweaver. Go, I mean, that's, it, that is like, that's what, it, well, we had it in college in 2002. Yeah, that yeah. So it was old school, but but what's really cool about that experience is that now I understand how all of this comes together in a completely different way, right? So it's not just putting things um, into a learning management system or in um, in like a, co a course platform, but it's really looking at how it all connects um, and moves forward. So, um, so yeah, so back in the day when we didn't have all these awesome tools, we had to get really creative about how we did that. And, um, and one of, one of the things I love is, um, literally we had to build online training that could be launched without any internet access. Wow. So like I talk about that, people are like, what? Yeah. Like, like you put it on had, a DVD. Oh yeah, it had to be on a DVD. It had to be an EXE file, an ex executable file, right? Because it had to play on the computer because um, companies didn't have internet. Like what? Um, <laughs> I know that makes me sound really old. I really remember I'm only 20. Um, and so, you know, I had like a time machine. And so I went back and did that when there was, yeah. um, but anyway, so um, so because of that, it, it's taught me not to, to get lost in the technology, but really focus on the experience and how do you help people get results online and offline and together bridging that gap. Um, and so that's what I'm so passionate about helping people do. So, I mean, that's a really, that is awesome that you started all the way back there with that stuff. And I think that that's part of the reason that you're so successful because nowadays I think a lot of people, like when I first found out about creating a course. It was film some videos, throw them in a members area with no real thought to what you're doing or what the outcome is. When you were creating courses, because they weren't a pay to play model like the entrepreneurs and course creators today, you were doing it for a company. Those people had to get outcomes. If you're teaching somebody how to do their job and they don't complete the course with 85% of the knowledge, and can't test out of it, then you've done your job wrong and you would have gotten fired or right. gone somewhere And they pay else. us hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to do these courses. So it's not, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stake in the game. Mm -hmm. Nice. So I think that's, I mean, that pull that from 15, 20 years ago, you were learning how to do that. Then you became core competency. How do I get people to actually complete the course? And nowadays with all the tools that you have, you can probably lay that out really easily and actually magnify the experience mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the other layer now of having tools um, at our disposal for all the information that we could ever imagine um, what's super cool about that is you don't have to rely on just teaching information anymore. Um, you can teach to how do you apply that information? How do you think about what to do with it? 
um, which then increases the richness of the course as well. So, so often, I mean, talk about some of the, the um, kind of the missteps of, you know, how entrepreneurs do courses. And the biggest thing is going back to their school model, right? So in we, when we went to school, we were taught, you know, we just like give a ton of information and then people can take it and do what they need to with it, or they take it to, they learn it to take the test right? Which doesn't lead to application, which doesn't lead to success. And so if you use that model, then what happens is that your people aren't going to get results. They're not going to keep um, buying your courses or your programs, um, and they're not going to become your raving fans, and they're not going to send and buy more because you're just giving them information. Um, I think I mean, I think that is a huge piece. I know a lot of people in the digital marketing space or the life coaching space, you know, they want to, oh, I'm going to put out a course. I'm going to make a million dollars. Well, here's the thing. The course is not meant to be the end. The course is you have your freebie, you have your low ticket, then you have your course, which is kind of your mid ticket. It's not meant to make you millions of dollars. It's meant to get people to consume your content so that they then pay you for your high ticket, which is really the key to this whole game. Anyone who's made millions of dollars has a high ticket. And the easiest way to promote people to buy that is through your course. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that when, when you're a smaller, a smaller shop, right. Or, or you don't have, you don't have millions and millions of followers, right. You don't have a, a list of, you know, 500,000 people. Um, is that that you think, well, I mean, you know, I'm going to make a million bucks with my course. Well, you're, you're not, you're playing a, a different game, right? So somebody who has the, uh, that large of a list, sure, they can sell on volume. They're not necessarily worried as much about that customer experience. They're not worried as much about whether or not they have churn or people ascend. It's just a volume game, right? Like I'm just going to keep throwing volume out there. Um, and so sometimes that works for them to have a course that doesn't, that doesn't actually produce results. But for most of us who don't have that volume, every customer counts, every customer is important. And yes, then, then they, because you've brought them in and you've gotten them a win, then yeah, they want to keep going with you. And that's what you want ultimately when you're building your business is those people who are going to stay with you and ascend to that higher ticket offer for sure. That's awesome. I mean, that is like, I think we're on the same page there. And I think that that really brings some clarity. So if you're out there listening to this and you're smaller, you have a list of 5,000, 10,000, somewhere in that number, your course can get those people that win and get them in a conversation with you and get them moving forward. And it's important to do it right. So Tara, what are, first off, let's, let's get into some nuts and bolts. What are the biggest mistakes that you see when somebody in this range, let's say somebody with a list of 10,000 or less, they're putting out their first course, what's the biggest mistakes that you see people make? Well, by far, the biggest mistake is um, just putting out a ton of information, right? Um, and it, it's not about how much information you put out, it's about how clear you are on the path that you're giving them to results, right? So the first thing is, what's the result you wanna give them? right? Like be super, super clear on what the outcome is that you're giving them. And then how are you going to get them there? And then that's what you're teaching to. It's not the 52 million other things that you want to talk about, um, which tends to be when you're an expert, it's really, really hard to remember what it's like to not be an expert, right? So you just want to give them everything. Like just like, just like all yeah. the things, right? Well, because you're so excited about it. Well, I've seen, I mean, we've, I, to be honest, I mean, when I first thought about doing a course five years ago, that's what I thought. I'm going to give them the course that teaches them everything they need to know. Well, that is the absolute worst thing. If you're listening to this, cross that off right now, because although you think it's going to give them so much value that they have to buy, the opposite is true. Think about it. If you can buy a car that does everything, right? Like, oh, I want a car that's a sports car. Well, then you want a sports car because it looks a certain way. It drives a certain way, but you can't carry kids in it. You can't like have one product that fits everybody. Have one course that gets a specific outcome is what I hear you saying. And I agree mm -hmm. because it's much more digestible and people, it's much easier to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's more clear for you even teaching it. Um, I remember, and actually you may have been with me. So we were, um, I was in uh, Scottsdale 
and and I was hiking with a group of entrepreneurs, and I was I was talking to this man, and and he was telling me about his course, and he's like, you know what? I just put everything like I there's so much value in everything that I gave them, and it was just like I mean he just gave them everything in the kitchen sink. Um, and he is like value or volume equals value. And I said, no, value, value equals simplification, right? Your job as an expert is to give them the fastest path to success. Like that's why they're hiring you because you've, you've already gone down the road. You're going to come back and help them go the fastest way. So they're not meandering and they're not going off on, you know, different tangents or whatever. Like you're giving them the fastest path. That's why they want to work with you. Not because they want to hear everything that you know. That's a hundred, a hundred and fifty percent true. Like the fastest path to success is one of the things that I love about Julie Stolian's uh, proposal secrets course. You listen to it for two and a half hours. You have a clear, actionable outcome and you can digest that whole course in a day. And that's, I mean, that right there. And I, like, I went out with that course the day after doing it and made five grand. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that, that course is amazing or that you should go buy it. It is a good course, but the fact that you could digest it in two and a half hours, it was an easy buy. It was easy to buy it. And then it was really easy to go through it and just do this step, this step, this step, and it's done. Whereas I, one, one big entrepreneur uh, put out a course that I bought that was 90 hours. Mm-hmm. You're like, I think I made it through, I did make it through the whole thing over like two years, but like mm-hmm. you, you open up the course and you're just like, uh, where do I start? Mm-hmm. And if that's the reaction that anyone has, mm-hmm. bad news bears. So, well, and it could be 90 hours, but each one of those hours or each one of those steps along the path. And I don't recommend it be 90 hours. Like it should be like between five and seven steps max. Um, But if each one of those had an actionable um, result that led to the fastest path to mastery to get to that result, then so be it, right? Like don't make the course small because you don't want it to be too over too, um, too many hours. Um, but you want to make it so you're, you're giving them a clear result, right? So if you can do like proposal secrets is a great example. If, if people have taken that, um, because it's very clear, start here, do your first deal, right? Like create a proposal. Here's how you sell it, right? Do your thing here, get to a $5,000, um, on your proposal, that that's very clear that can be done in is i don't can't remember how many steps she did it but in in those steps right but somebody who's going to give you like the background of proposals and here's 52 different software programs you can use and um and you know here here are like the 12 different ways that you can think about um you know writing a description right like none of that's helpful because it's not giving them the the clear path forward. Once somebody has that clear path, they get the results, then they're able to go down to a deeper level um, and learn more or learn why or learn more specifics. One story I always tell, um, and Steve, you probably heard me tell this already, but, um, but when you are learning how to ski, um, and we just talked about this the other day, speaking of skiing is um, Steve and I are going to ski this, this winter sometime because I just got some epic passes that I'm excited about. Um, but when you're skiing for the first time, so, so you want to go out and you want to, um, you want to learn how to ski. So you go up on the chairlift um, to, uh, you know, pick a mountain, you go up on the chairlift and you get to the top and um, you're standing at the top of the mountain and you're looking down and I don't know if you, if like, if you are a skier or not, it doesn't really matter. Like just imagine if you are at the top of a mountain looking down and it's a little steep, right? And then you look down again and your um, feet are in these things that will take you down really fast, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. And next to you, you have two different guides. You have a guide over here who's talking to you all about skiing and all about Um, the history of skiing and all the resorts in the U.S. and all the famous skiers and all the details about your skis and your poles and your boots and all the things. And all you're doing is looking down. Do you think that you hear that person? No, right? You're like, how do I get down this mountain without killing myself? That's like, 
how do I, how, how am I going to do this? Right? Like you are in that space of like, how am I going to do this? So you look over and the other guy says, how are you doing? You're like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Okay. So here's the deal. You need to learn the pizza and the French fries. Pizza is to stop. French fries is to go. So when you're going down the mountain, follow me. I'm going to give you the path, right? You and I are going to go down. We're going to kind of go like this, but here's how you stop and here's how you go. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? But so often, this is how people teach their courses. I'm going to give you all the stuff. I think part of that too is ego because we love to be the expert. We love to talk, talk, talk about what we do when really the point of the course is just to get them into momentum and get them the outcome. What I've told people just because I've helped people build their courses that they sell from stage is pull stuff out. You can make three separate courses. Like let's just make one course that's going to get them the outcome. It's going to allow your speech to be better. It's going to allow the sales to be better and it's going to allow them to actually finish the course. So if somebody's listening to this, go ahead. Just let me just say one thing about that is that Steve, here's the thing. The course is about the learner. The course isn't about you. Right. Right. When you are out selling your course, when you're out building your authority on your, your webpage or your social media or whatever, that's when your expertise becomes really important. But when you're teaching your course, it's all about the learner and what they need. That's it. Well, I think we're actually, I think that's going to lead into the next point. So what do you, when you're, when you see somebody or you're helping somebody build a course, or if they're listening to this and they're like, okay, I have a clear outcome. I'm going to get them X. How do you help them design the roadmap to get their listener, the person who's buying their course from where they are to where they want to go? How do you help them design that? Because I feel like that is, I know I've taken courses that are all over the place and they make no sense. And I make it through, you know, three modules. I'm like, this is junk because Mm -hmm. it's not getting me anywhere. I'm more confused than when I started. So how do you help people clarify that? And what's some steps that people who are listening can take to be crystal clear and get that roadmap? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is where are they today and where do you want them to go? And then what you're doing is you're creating the journey for them in between. Um, and so the traditional school model is we look at the outline, I mean, Roman numeral one, two, three, you know, all that. We want to flip that and we're actually taking them on a journey. So what steps do they need to take in order to get to that result? Um, and it's a, it's a path, right? So it's, it's a, we call it a learner success path. But what it is, is they need to do step one. And then when they've done step one, then they move to step two and then step three. So when you look at what you're teaching, it's all action-based. So even like, even as we're creating it, like one of the things I teach is it's got to be a verb, right? It's a verb. They're moving forward. So they're moving to different steps that has to be actionable. Um, and that's how you teach it. Like that's how you put together your framework um, is the steps that they need to go on that path. Okay. Just like if you're, if you have a map, right? If I'm going, if I'm in Minneapolis and I'm going to go visit you, um, I'm going to look at the map in order to get to um, Arizona where you are, right? I'm not going to be like, well, I'm just going to go kind of Southwest, right? Cause you're not going to get there. I, I mean, I mean, eventually I would, but I would meander and go all over. Right. So it's just like creating a map for your learner with those um, milestones along the, the path. Got it. Um, if somebody listening is looking at building a course right now, the other thing that I see a lot of people ask about is where do I house my course? How do I set it up? How do I like, what's the technical details? And I know you have used a multitude of platforms. If somebody is in the case of, you know, they've got 5,000 people on their list, maybe they're doing a couple grand a month. What would you tell them to use? What's an, like, Give us some of the different options out there and why you would use each one. Cause I think that's a huge pain point for people. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I'll say is it's not about the technology. Um, so if you have a really strong uh, learner success path, uh, then it's, it's about that and finding the tool that works best for that end um, and what you need. So, so often people say, Oh, I need to, I need to build this thing that goes in this tool. And it's, it's not about the tool. It's about, what you're building and the experience that you want to build. 
Um, so there's the course itself, and then there is the path or the journey that you're taking someone on in terms of the experience around um, around how you want to commu communicate with them. How do you want to build a community? How do you want them to go through your course? Do you want them to go through it all at once? Do you want them to, um, you know, go through it in different time frames based on like when they complete something or when they do an activity or whatever, right? So a lot of the way that you're going to think about what tool you need is by what experience you want to create for them. Are you going to be totally hands-off? Are you going to want to have some live um, interaction with them? All those things play into it. So that being said, we kind of look at um, the tools in three different buckets. One is when you're first starting out, you're building your beta, which is something that I recommend in Learn Academy, is test your offer, build your beta, do it live for the first time. Um, so you get the, the feedback from real people who are saying, oh yeah, I got that. Or, oh, these are the questions that you want to incorporate. When you're doing that, um, then, then you can use, you know, a simple membership tool like a ClickFunnels or Members Pro or something like that, that allows you to, um, do more of the plug and play where you're just, you're, you're basically recording what you're doing and putting it into a place where people can consume it. Um, when you get to that place where you have, um, the automated course, then it's important to think about how do you want to run that automated experience? So some other tools around those um, become, do you want something that um, you can customize? Or is it okay just to have a, a little bit more sophisticated of a tool that does some different things, but you don't really need to have as much control over it as um, a complete customized tool, right? So you have your mid-level products like a Kajabi or a Thinkific or um, Teachable, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you're in the position where you are building a, a full brand around your course or your courses, where you want to create almost like a virtual hub, um, then it's important to think about having one place where all of your courses live, um, where then you can ascend people through um, in in a way that um, allows you to grow and scale. That's a different solution than... Um, than some of the simple tools, right? So for example, if you were to put your, um, your beta in a ClickFunnels membership site, which we could spend all night talking about all these different things, but if you were gonna do that, one of the things to keep in mind is if you have a second course or a second level or something like that, then they have to log into a whole different area. Like from a customer experience perspective, like that's a pain in the butt, right? Like you don't wanna send somebody 15 different links to go log into all your different things. So that, that becomes a factor in how you're deciding um, what tools but to use. Would you, would you tell people that they should worry about that when they're just, if they have 3,000, nope. 5,000 people, 10,000 people, like just get the course out would be what I would think. It, it's not so much how many people, it's more where you are in your um, course build, right? So you start with your MVP, your beta, to test your offer, get it out. You, it's kind of like you're just getting it out. You've got the framework, you're testing the framework. Um, in that scenario, no, I would get the cheapest, the easiest way to um, just uh, get your recordings and get the experience out to your people to, to test it. So you're really looking at a minimum viable product. Then, then you're looking at how do you automate it? How do you create an experience, um, like a 1.0 experience? That's when you're looking at a more sustainable longer term um, option. And, um, and so, you know, again, if, if it's, you know, it depends on what your intention is for growing and scaling it. it at that point, I would consider looking at a tool that's gonna be a long-term um, play for you. Um, at that point. And there are so many, um, so many options. Um, it, it, depending upon budget, depending upon what you want it to do and all of that, right? Like, so for example, I teach um, experience design, right? So I teach gamification and how to create an experience around your course that makes it sticky. So people will complete it, right? So 97% of people don't complete courses. And that's because, um, because they're not, they're not motivated. They're not rewarded for that experience. Um, and so if you want a gamification um, platform, like there are only a couple. What are they? 
<laughs> uh, well, I have one. Um, but um, so, uh, so WordPress is probably the best option, uh, a WordPress base with a learning management system like LearnDash or um, Access Alley or something like that gives you the custom, the ability to customize your site, which means gamification and you can, you can add um, layers on top of it. Um, but there aren't really like the plug and play options. You're not paying for customization. You're not paying for those bells and, bells and whistles. You're paying to be to, um, for their volume, right? You're paying um, for the, um, the cookie cutter solution, if you will. Which is, which is I, fine. For would you say people. that that is, I was going to say, that's good enough for most people. If you're for listening to this and you don't have your course out yet, just use something that is quick, dirty, and easy and get it out, get a few people through it. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can always move the course. It is not worth spending thousands and thousands no. of dollars to have mm -hmm. something built out all crazy, which brings me to my next point something that I've become a big fan of is building the course with people as a beta because so many creators are like, I know what the world needs. I'm going to launch this course. They spend months or years producing it and then nobody buys. So yep. I know you have the solution to this. I know we've talked about it. Tell us how you would have somebody go through building a course. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, a hundred percent, I would do a live beta. Um, and so what so does that mean? Yeah. So, so what that means is that, so you start by building out your framework and, um, and get really clear about who you're serving, what the results are, and then that success path. Uh, and then what you're going to do is before you build everything, don't do a bunch of videos, don't do all the things, right? What you're going to do is you're going to invite, um, some beta participants. And I say you need, um, you need, uh, five people minimum, to be in your beta, right? That, that will give you the feedback that you need. So if you have no list or just a small list, all you need is really five people who can give you some really strong feedback. Um, if you have more, that's amazing, but you really like minimum is, is five, um, that you're going to invite them into a live course. And what that means is that you, you are literally going to build it while you're teaching it and record it. And, and, um, and then you're going to use that as your minimum viable product, meaning that um, that's what you're going to use to get feedback and, uh, and perfect your offer and perfect what you do. So what will happen is people will take it and then they'll be like, well, I don't understand what you're saying. And you're like, oh, great. Let me rephrase that. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an activity that you can do that will be helpful for you to get those results. And so it is a great scenario for both the participant and uh, the course creator because you get so much rich feedback and you're super motivated to help your learners be successful. And so whenever there's a beta, I always jump into it because I'm like, it is the time that that person, that the course creator is the most motivated to help me get results. Because if I get results, then they're successful, and then they know that they have a proven model. And, and you're going to get the feedback. And that you're, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's so, so typically what happens is each um, step of your framework becomes a week that you teach, right? So you'll say, um, you know, my, my um, beta is six weeks long because I have six steps, right? Something like that um, is typically, typically what happens. So then each week you do a training. So you get on a Zoom kind of like this and you teach your thing. Um, and then you get, um, you get feedback from your participants and you, you continue do that, doing that for the six weeks. And then at the end of the six weeks, you can choose to use that beta as your course, right? If you're like, I nailed it. It's awesome. That could be your course. Or you can choose at that point then to re-record it. Um, and so you could do, uh, you know, direct to camera, you can do, you know, PowerPoint with your, your voice recording. There's lots of different ways to turn it into an automated course. Um, but by doing your beta, it really gives you what you need to, um, 
to test, here's the first thing is it allows you to test your offer. If nobody will pull out their credit card for what you're teaching, then you know you have to go back and figure out what makes it unique and what is gonna be something that people, is really compelling to people to get results. So, so that's like, that's like. I, I agree 100%. You are saying then do not do the beta for free. You need to charge people. No, for no. Beta, and don't discount it. Don't I, discount your beta. I agree. Why not? Um, because so here, so here's the thing. Uh, this like fires me up because people are like, Oh, I have to discount it because you've never done it before. Here's the deal. When you go to a conference or you go to a training or a seminar or anything that you would do, like say you signed up for a training class or even a college class that you sign up for, you pay for, and then you attend, like you haven't gone to it yet. Right. But, but that's normal. We wouldn't think twice about that. Right. You, you sign up for an in-person seminar. That's a two day seminar. You wouldn't think twice about paying for it before you go. But for some reason, when we look at a course and we talk about our beta, we're like, well, we haven't built it yet. We haven't done it yet. We have to discount it. Why? It's the same thing as if you are saying, I'm doing a two-day class. Come sit in the classroom with me. It's in two months. And I mean, if anything, you're giving the people more value because usually the way that I always tell people to do beta is do your training. Then do a Q&A a few days later mm -hmm. and figure out where people are stuck. Where do people need help? And then redo the training or do the next version of the training. Like yep. do the follow-up all in one week. Yep. Those people, yep. the five people who are in there are getting one-on-one -on -one with you. They're learning. They're getting all of their problems solved. Anyone who buys the course after you put the course out is not going to get that. Right. 100%, 100%. And I will pay I would pay double for that. If I wanted to learn something and I was going to buy the course or I could get the course plus one-on-ones once a week with the person teaching it, which one am I going to buy? Yeah. Hands down every time. But but here's the problem is that because because there's this perception that it's not created yet in in the course creator's mind, not the learner's mind, mind you, in the course creator's mind, I have to discount it because I haven't created it yet. That has yes. to do with the person creating it an imposter syndrome, it does not have to do with people buying it. 100%. However, I will say with this caveat, do not think that your beta is just like, well, I'm just going to jump on and I'm just going to start teaching and it's going to be great, right? Like, no, that's not a beta. A beta is you have your framework, you've thought through the person that you want to teach and the result that you're giving them and you have spent the time building your framework, but not all of the content. Right. So you're not going to go and create all your videos and record things and like pre-do all of that. Um, there's no need to do that, but you, but you still have thought through your framework and what the outcomes are. Right. So don't be like, well, of course I'm going to discount a beta if I'm just going to stand up and wing it. Yeah. That's not, that's not a beta and that's not serving your people very well. It's not going to get anyone to ascend and it's going to be very painful. Right. hundred percent. Right. So, so it's not an, it's not a, wing it beta. It's a, an intentional um, practice of what you're going to be teaching. That is, that is really good. If people are out there listening and they're still saying, well, I got to do it for free because I don't know, or blah, 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 whatever is in your mind. If you can't sell the beta, you're not going to be able to sell the course when it is finished either. Right. Right. So and people who pay, pay attention. That, that was going to be my next point. If you're thinking, you're, this is the other thing. When you give something away, if you get, let's say you put 10 people in your beta and you give it away for free, my guess is you'll have less than 50% show up for the first week and you'll have less than 10% show up for week two. They fall off really quickly because since they didn't pay, it's not really that important to them. It's crazy. I've had people beg to be in things that I sold and they're like, come on, I really want to be in. Da, 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 and I let them in. I don't do it anymore. I let them in a uh, course I did like two years ago. I did like a live workshop, right? They begged and begged and begged, let them in. They showed up to the first session. They never showed up again. They never got anything out of it. Um, so Tara, if we've kind of covered like what you need for a minimum viable product, what solution they should use, just use something quick, dirty, easy, get it out there, get it done. 
what are a few of the gamification pieces that somebody could work in as a newbie course creator? They're putting it on ClickFunnels. They're putting it on Kajabi. Like they don't have a huge budget. What are some things that will actually get people to complete it? Because I know you and I had this conversation and like my biggest fear when I was like, I'm going to build a course and put it out. You were like, this is how you actually get people to get through it. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is you don't need the, te- the, you don't need the technology. You don't need the bells and whistles. What you need is a really intentional way to think about how do you recognize people for the progress that they're making? How do you give them feedback on the things that they're doing um, all along the path? Right. And so there's, there's the beginning, right? So when you're onboarding somebody, how do you recognize the small steps that they're taking to get started how do you help them form habits and and um, and like do the activities right? Because what here's what happens is when you're um, when you're learning something new, at the beginning you're like super excited and you're like yay I have my notebook and my pencil and I'm all ready, and then they start going and they're like oh crap this is hard, right? I actually have to do something or I have to change my mindset or I have to like there's a reason why. Um, you know, a lot of times, like if you're building a skill, like you just don't know how to do it. You've just never done it before. Right. But a lot of times people are coming into courses and looking for help because they haven't been able to kind of get past that step that they need in order to get to the next level. And so what happens is it gets hard in the middle. So I call that the dip. Um, it's this natural, um, place where people start to fall off, right? Because it gets hard and, and you actually have to do the work. Um, and then at the end, people are super excited, right? So at the beginning, it's easy to, um, you know, bring them in, celebrate that they're there, um, give them some recognition for the small wins. At the end, it's great to celebrate and recognize that they've, they've, you know, taken action, they've gotten the result and, you know, do the hoopla, right? All of those are super easy. The, the part that most people miss is continuing to follow up and help them along the way. The, the beauty of a tool, of a platform that allows you to automate that is that you don't have to think about that, right? But you can do that through email. You can even do that um, just, you know, by, by putting it on your calendar and following up with people, right? So there are so many different ways to recognize people along the path. The key is building that into your plan um, and saying, okay, so here, so they finished this step. And this is the action I want them to take at this step. If they take that action, I am going to recognize them for taking that action. Right? Second step, what do I want them to do? Recognize them for taking that action. And it could be, again, like something small. Here's an email. Good job. You finished that, that assignment. You finished that action. You got, you, know, you got some points for doing that. You can do badging. You can, you can get fancy with it. Um, you can, you can send. So, um, at the end, when somebody in, in my course reaches their beta, they launch their beta, they get a t-shirt, right? And so that's a celebration that you have gone through the work. You've done your beta. Awesome job. You know, here's a way to do that. Now I have somebody in my program who literally every week, she's like, I'm getting closer to my shirt. All I want is my shirt. When am I going to get my shirt? Right? So that's motivating her to continue forward. It's something super simple that's just automatically set up. Right? So when somebody reaches that milestone, then they, all that's automated. Um, you know, so, so there's lots of different ways to do that, but it's really just thinking through and being creative about how do you recognize somebody for the work I mean, that they're doing? There are a multitude of things that you can do that are cheap shirts. If they're too expensive, you can get stickers. I send yep. people postcards, yep. just like do a little touch point because that's the thing. Like you can scale it as you get bigger, but when you're small, just make sure people are happy. I use a program called text magic and I'll text people follow-ups. Mm-hmm. Hey, how are you doing with this? Hey, congratulations. Just send them something fun that, Nobody else is doing that. And if you touch people's lives like that and you actually show that you care, it, they will definitely move forward. Well, and it's not hard, right? I mean, you just think about like, there's this perception that, that your life offline is different than your life online, right? Like if you are seeing somebody, um, you know, struggling with some, something or somebody learning something or somebody doing something and you're like, I want to recognize that person, 
it's just being like, good job. That was amazing. Like all people want is recognition. So you can make it super simple or super fancy, but it's really just, you know, anticipating. Super simple. Yeah. Super simple works. I mean, it right. really does. Just right. send them a Facebook message. Like yeah. send them, I'll send a little voice message, something like that. As you scale, you can find automated ways to do it. But when you're small, especially in your beta, it's key that your people in your beta get through it and have good results because they will be your biggest emissaries. Like they'll send people to For you sure. if you help them. And that's, that has happened to me um, quite a bit. Yeah. Here's a pro tip. Pro tips with Tara. I have a, I have a pro tip. <laughs> Anticipate the obstacles that your learners will have along the path. If you can anticipate what obstacles they're going to have, then you can build in um, specific points that you want to follow up with them on. Um, right? So, so like the first one is when they get started, they're super excited. And then they figure out that they have some like mind gunk. And you're like, you know what? The last couple people that I've done this with, they have some mind stuff I'm going to have to work with them on. I know this is coming. So instead of waiting until they ask the question, feed them the question, right? Recognize them, follow up with them, say, you know, you may be thinking this, you're on the right path, blah, 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 right? So if you can anticipate what obstacles or challenges they're going to have, it's a game changer. Nice. I like that one a lot. I think that's really easy too, because especially if you're doing it as a beta, you'll get feedback and you'll see where people are getting stuck and you can just reach out and help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Tara, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, you've given us a wealth of information on courses, but I actually want to talk about the difference and what it's like to be married to somebody who is not entrepreneurial. Cause yeah. that's like, you've been, you've been in this space now for a long time. Mm -hmm. You've been married for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. It's something that you and I have talked about. And I think that it's something behind the scenes that people will get a lot of value out of because as entrepreneurs, we're always on, we're always going, we're always trying to figure stuff out. We're always trying to grow our business and we love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you get married to somebody who doesn't feel the same? And how does that, how does that like play in your life? Like talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I know when I met you on the cruise, you were like, oh yeah. 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 So, so I love this, um, and, and it's not something I talk about a lot, but, um, but it's definitely part of my journey, is um, being entrepreneurial and, um, and having a spouse, which is funny because he's home now, um, having a spouse who is not, um, is, is, is interesting, right? I would say that it, it has its, its ups and downs. Um, overall, I will say that um, it's always good to have the yin and the yang, right? Like it's always good to have kind of that balance um, because he pushes me to, um, to sometimes not think about the business and not think about um, different ideas that are, you know, going off in my head all the time um, and have fun and, and do some different things. And I kind of push him a little bit to think about creation and growth and like what's possible out in the world, um, which is not his natural tendency. Um, and so it's good. It's, it's kind of a balance, but it definitely comes with some um, interesting challenges. Um, I will say that, um, that so, so just to give you a little bit of background, so he's in a very traditional um, uh, role um, where he goes to work and he does this thing and he does an amazing job. But when he comes home, he doesn't bring his work home with him because he, he, he's the nature of what he does. He doesn't need to do that. So when he's home, he's he's like not working and he's not thinking about it and he doesn't need to worry about it. Um, and so he can totally turn it off. And if you are an entrepreneur, you know that um, you can't turn it off. It just doesn't happen. And in fact, you don't want to turn it off. Um, and so for me, I think the biggest thing was realizing that it's okay for me to feel that way. And it's okay for him to feel the way that he feels. Um, and so, but of course, you know, that sometimes leads to some, some challenges when he's like, well, why are you always talking about this? Why, why is this always, you know, your thing? And um, one of the, the kind of the biggest pieces of advice that I heard, um, I think it's actually like a couple years ago now, um, Stacey Martino said it when she was at FHL, um, is that you have, um, you know, kind of two sides, right? You have your friends um, and your um, 
your kind of professional colleagues or kind of your other people who are like you, and then you have your family and your friends and, and other people who, who aren't. And, um, and so um, really knowing who, who you're with and, and how you're um, showing up in both of those is really important. Um, and so that really gave me the, um, maybe kind of the language to be able to distinguish between the two, right? So I know that I need strong entrepreneurial friends who I can like literally be on happy hour with and talk about business and, and have like a blast. Like I can go on trips with them. I can have so much fun and talk about business at the same time. And it's, it doesn't have to be separate. It's just like, it's just, that's who we are. And it's, it's just in our DNA. We're so weird, um, but it's fabulous. Right. And, but then I can have, you know, a, a great relationship with my husband where um, I, I don't talk about that. Like that's not acceptable, right? Because there needs to be something else. There needs to be a different dimension. There needs to be something else we're focused on other than my work. But if you were to ask him, he'd be, well, we talk about your work, which I'm passionate about it. I love it. So therefore it's part of who I am. But knowing who, who I am, you know, kind of how I'm presenting is really important and I need both. Um, and it's really important to have both. Um, and so to me, that's been the biggest journey um, on that front is really recognizing that it's okay, right? It's, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with him. It's just how we come together and realizing that we both um, have times when we're, um, we're kind of in our, in our own hands, if you will. Um, so I don't know. I mean, to me, that's, um, that's been a little bit of that journey of just being of okay with it, being okay with it, recognizing it and, and really loving this, the strengths around both of them. Well, I think that, I think that's probably the key is realizing like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with him. Can I appreciate his strengths? Can he find a way to appreciate my strengths without annoying them? Right. Um, cause I think that's the biggest, I know I've dated some people who are not entrepreneurial and they say the same thing. Like, they're like, do you ever stop talking about work? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what I do. Like, yeah. I'm going to talk about it all the time. We need to find a way to, we need some common ground. So I've, I've found the thing that works the best is having some common ground, having something that, you know, we're not going to talk about work. We're going to talk about movies or games or something going on in the world or, something that gets us out of our bubble a little bit. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest key is making sure that you feel loved, cared about, supported, mm -hmm. appreciated, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, well, for sure, 100%. And I think that it's, it's um, I think the other thing is um, being comfortable enough in the relationship to know, um, so, like, I think one of the turning points for us was w when he went on that cruise, um, and got to know all of my people. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, they're all normal people. It's not like this, you know, different, <laughs> it's not like we're all Martians or something, right? So, so that it kind of gave him that sense of, of, all right, cool. These guys, these are cool people. That's great. You go do your thing. I'm fine staying home and, and taking the care of the family while you're doing that, because that's such an important outlet for you. And that's something that, that I know will help you grow and, and makes you happy is being really comfortable with that, right? Like that you have to be secure in your relationship around that um, to, to value that in each other. Um, it's so, it's so, sort of like, like if you equate it to um, if you go on girls weekends or boys weekends or whatever, right? Like being really comfortable with the fact that you can have, you can come together and be great friends and you can have great friends together, but you also can have time um, apart from each other with, you know, your girlfriends or your boyfriends or whatever, um, it's kind of that same concept um, where you need that time. It doesn't mean that you don't value that relationship. It just means you just need different time. And, um, and so I think, I think those are the lessons around this because we, I mean, we did struggle a lot, um, you know, with this early in our marriage of, you know, cause I'm constantly it, it more than that. It's I'm, I'm constantly creating, right? Like as an entrepreneur, I create, it's what I do. I create, I, I make change. <laughs> I right. move the furniture, right? Like I gotta, I gotta always be doing something. 
um, and he doesn't have that same need. And so for us, that was more of, of what it was, is why are you always creating things? Why, why, can't you, why, why can't we just have this one thing? Like, it, why can't this, this furniture stay here forever? Right. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to change it. We got to move it. We got to make it bigger. We've got to, you know, and, and so, so that's, you know, that's the interesting part too, is when you have the kind of personality things like that. And how do you, how do you come together with that? If somebody was listening to this and they're like, I'm a woman entrepreneur and I like, I don't feel understood by my boyfriend, husband, whatever relationship partner. What's a like, because I know you said you struggled with it early on, but you guys have overcome it. What's something like something that they could do that you could tell them to like, it's going to be okay. Try this. Mm -hmm. What's a piece of advice that you would give them? I think, I think the biggest thing is, is to, well, finding the common ground, like you said, I think is, is critical, right? Like how, how can you, um, you know, say you're like this, right? Like what, what's the thing that brings you together? Um, and, and then kind of focusing there. Um, but I think from a bigger picture perspective, it's really, um, really being comfortable with who you are, right? Both people have to be comfortable with who they are and be able to lead with that. Because if you aren't, um, and the person that, that you love and care about, um, you know, is trying to push you in a different direction, then it, it's just not. Well, I think that's, I mean, the challenge is we're, at some level, we're all looking for approval, whether we want to admit that or not, we're all looking for approval, especially from our loved ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, I mean, when I was, my challenge, I, rem I can think of one girl that I was dating in particular, like, she always was very like, she just didn't understand what I did. And so like, I would try, I would share something with her that I was excited about. And she'd be like, Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'm changing the world here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She So she didn't get annoyed with it. She just, and she wasn't trying to be indifferent. She wasn't trying to be rude. And I think the thing that, that we ended up finding a way was, I was just like, you need to like, ask me some questions. You need to be excited because you don't need to be excited because it's cool. You need to be excited because I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. you need to show mm -hmm. some interest. And like the same thing, I needed to show interest in what she was doing and help her with what that was. And I think that just shows to your point about, am I comfortable with who I am? Do I need to be the center of everything? Does mm -hmm. she need to be the center of everything? Does, how do we relate? Yeah. Well, and I think the thing, the thing too is, um, with that, like with the hand, hand analogy is, um, it, it may not be something that you need to express your excitement about with her, right? You go to your people who are going to be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And with her, you're, you're just, it, it's just not part of the conversation because she doesn't get it. She doesn't value it. Not that she doesn't value you, but she doesn't value that in the same way that you do because it doesn't mean as much, right? Because That's for her, like, you know, like I take, take my husband, like for him, um, um, stability and, um, uh, you know, like getting a paycheck each week and, and, you know, the, the, the very traditional, like I do this thing and this is what I like, that's very important to him. That's not important to me. Right. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. I'm not going to tell him that, that, you know, I'm not excited about that approach for him. I just know that my approach is different. Um, and so it's finding how we can relate to each other and, and really respect and value that, that there are those that there are those differences. Now it's not hundred percent perfect. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not living in utopia for, by any means. Like there are days when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just lost this client. And he'll be like, Oh my God, we need to move. Right. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's very much, we still are triggered by different things. I think every um, relationship, if, oh, if, yeah. every relationship is like that. I think the two keys that you said are the first one is like, just because they don't value what you're excited about doesn't mean they don't value you. Mm -hmm. They just don't value that thing. Like that has, that's different from valuing you. And the second one is find, find the core value, find something where you can relate and focus on that. Focus on the positive, not on the negative. Yeah. Well, and it's also a matter of respect, right? Like it, it, do you respect that person enough to try and understand what, what drives them and what's important to them and, um, and what's in their heart. 
And if you do, then you either choose to be their biggest fan or you choose not to. Yeah. And if you want to be their biggest fan, then you got to suck it up and sometimes get excited about silly things or move the furniture for the 52nd time, you know, in a, in a year. Or leave the furniture where it is. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Tara, if people <laughs> wanted to learn more about course creation, where can they go? Where can they go to get your help with this? Yeah, so the best place to find um, all information about uh, me is at taralbryan.com, which has- you want to spell that? T-A-R-A-L-B-R-Y-A-N.com. Um, and that has Learn Academy on it, which is our signature course. It teaches people how to create, sell, and launch their uh, uh, online course. And, um, and then all sorts of other things that we're doing. If you want to join a course creating conversation where we are literally changing the conversation about how courses are being um, built, uh, especially by entrepreneurs, um, on Facebook, the online course creators group. Um, is where you can find that conversation. Awesome. All of that will be linked in the show notes below. You can click down there. Tara is truly amazing. She really does care about helping people. So if you're figuring out how to do your course, you feel overwhelmed, reach out to her. She will be a invaluable resource to you. Thanks. Awesome. On that note, guys, um, we are going to wrap this show up. Until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Yep. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out, and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon. Thank you.